You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. We'll start with a little bit of Vilchas Hanukkah towards the end of Hanukkah, as this is the last night. And Shulchan Aruch talks about Hanoser Min Hashemin, the, the leftover oil after the days of Hanukkah. And Shulchan Aruch says, Oselo Madura Visarfo. You're supposed to like make a big bonfire, pour that oil in, and it talks about the psilos as well. And why do you have to burn it all? Because it's hooksal mitzvahso. Because it's it's it was it was dedicated only for the sake of Nirchanika. If you if you keep it around, I guess you could keep it for next year, but that probably isn't going to happen. Well, some people have a little Hanukkah can you know, a Hanukkah container and they put it in there and they put it later. Chazal and the Shulchan Aruch didn't think that was going to happen in their homes. So in order to to put it away for, in other words, burning it isn't the mitzvah anymore, but we don't want you using it. It's almost like me'iwa behektish. That's what the psak and the Shulchan Aruch is. So Rabbi Yoshev was asked about this, how this halacha plays out today. Do you really have to make this bonfire and burn? It says in Shulchan Aruch, maybe that's what we should do. So he says, first, Rabbi Yoshev says, it's not about burning. The truth is, it's, it's, it's making sure people don't use it. So you could just pour it out. Um, you could put it uh, in a place where people usually don't walk. And then once the oil is absorbed into the ground, as he says, Now, even though the Shulchan Aruch does say to make a bonfire, that is the best thing to do. Because in that way, it sort of parallels what they did, Rebbe Yoshev says, with the oil in the Beis HaMikdosh. Because we know the Neusser Mishem and Hamenoyer, if there was extra oil uh, that somehow didn't get used for the next day, they would burn it. So, in a way, burning the oil is sort of another way to invoke the fact that this is a, a symbol of the menorah in the Beis HaMikdosh. But obviously, if you can't make a bonfire, the main thing is, is getting it away from people and treating it with some respect. I mean, it was part of your mitzvah. So don't just throw it away. However, what you could is either like, you know, you could find a hole in the ground and pour it there. Or what I did, which was take a special, like a Seamus bag and put, wrap it and put it in the garbage separately. And that's what we do with leftover truma and Seamus as well. Uh, because the whole point is once it's in that bag, um, People aren't, you're not going to be, it's not going to get used uh, by somebody who's rifling through uh, and finding it. Uh, and that's the main thing. Now, however, Yosha pointed out that some of this isn't even a problem. Um, let's say before Hanukkah starts or during every day of Hanukkah when you're lighting the menorah, you think, I only want to be maktish for the mitzvah and, and getting that special status, what I need for 45 minutes or whatever. And what's left over should not be Kodesh. So you can control that. You, you can't, by a sukkah, you can't do that. By a sukkah, you can't say, okay, um, you know, the Atze sukkah are going to be Kodesh no matter what. But by Shemin of the Ner Hanukkah, you are able to think, oh, you know what? Only what I need for it to burn. And after it 
the leftover oil will not be Kodesh. So you have a right, if you make that tie in your mind, that can work. And if you think it, it's good enough. As he says, you don't have to, you don't have to necessarily, you don't have to speak it out as long as it's in your mind. And that would be a way that you don't have to worry about putting it in a separate bag or burning it. So you should, it's a good idea to think that in your head uh, before Hanukkah starts or before you light the neighbors tonight even. Now, Rebel Yoshev was asked, um, I understand that the wick was actually burning. So the fire was on the wick and it didn't go all the way till the end. So there's a little bit of wick left. So I understand that this is the wick that was burning. But isn't the leftover oil, why is that even considered part of what you were using for the mitzvah? The fact is, it's leftovers. Isn't that a proof that it, nothing really happened with it? Right? In other words, the wick, you can tell, oh, it used to be this long. Now it's much smaller. And the reason why it's much smaller is because part of it got burnt. So what's ever left, the, the tip of that was burning before. So this is leftover Kedusha material. But oil, it would seem, the oil that didn't burn, why is that considered part of what was burning? Maybe that the fact that it didn't burn is a proof that it really wasn't part of the mitzvah. So Eliashim says, you have to look at the, the cup, the, the container that has all the oil it's as if whatever was burning for whatever an hour, whatever it was, or 35 minutes, 40 minutes, all the oil together helped it burn. All the oil that was in that container helped fuel this candle. Even though it didn't necessarily um, dissipate. And Rav Yosha brings a raya from Metaisus and Sukkah, Ratisa says that Taisa says that um, if you spill oil out, let's say you have a container of you have a, a candle that's burning. So you have the oil, and then you also have the candle, and you decide on Shabbos to spill some of that oil out. Kasher Mavchis Mikamus Hashemen, Tosa says that's considered a malocha. Why? Because the the flame is going to last less a less of a time, and it's not as not only is this, it will last less, it's already inherently weaker now. Taisu says. So Rabbi Yosham says the converse must be true, that when you fill the cup with oil, all of that oil helps whatever flame you had. Kol Hashem and Anosun Tachas Hashol Heves. Look at the way Rebel Yoshev explains it. Manik otzma v'chozek l'lahava. All the oil that's there did something. So whatever was burning burned stronger because of the amount of oil you had in there. So you can't say, oh, I didn't use the oil. No, the oil was part of the flame. The, whatever flame you produced tonight, the, the oil that's underneath that helps produce the quality of flame that you have. And therefore... All the oil is considered kadosh, unless, of course, you make it tonight. So, um, let's say there's a little drop. <laughs> the question was asked to Rebel Yoshev. Let's say there's a little drop of oil in the cup. So, okay, just a little drop. There's hardly anything there. Can't I just take the cup and wash it out? 
what's again, you know, Richard, of course, bought for me the uh, the ready to use. But let's say you're going to reuse your 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 zchuchit. So can't just I got a little oil here. Let me wash that out. So he says you can't do that. He says you you can't just wash it out. This is a very important Hebrew word, tissue. <laughs> a tissue, right? A, a napkin or a tissue. You, you can't just wipe it and throw it. Um, now, that's if there's something of real material there. Let's say you can't really see the oil, but it is, it is greasy. It is. It has a little wetness in it, so then it's not considered a dover of mashu. And Rebel Yoshev says you can see the same thing when it talks about leftover truma. There's a difference between a mashu and a residue. A residue is different, as it says in the Mishnah that if you pour wine that's truma from one cleat to the other, you can now, after it's finished, you don't um, right. So, you can now pour non-truma material in there. It's not considered like, oh, now you've got truma mixed in. However, if the first jar, if you tip over, the Mishnah says, and there's a couple of little drops on the bottom, even though you would say, oh, those are insignificant, nobody cares about those little drops. No, the Mishnah truma says that has, that has a din of truma. In the same way, if unless you make a tanai, those drops at the bottom of the of the of the jaw of the of the can container, if it's if it's if it's if it's recognizable as drops, it's already a problem. You can't stick that tissue in there. So that is uh, some Hilchas Hanukkah. Let's move on to another, I guess, related subject. Uh, we're we're going to talk about the Corona vaccine, uh, and, uh, and uh, maybe that's the reason why. Uh, we got uh, Dr. Gluck here for the Corona vaccine, um, but let's talk about um, uh, another question, which some of you are not going to like the attitude of Rabbi Avinir about this. And this is what om- what's almost universal here in in the United States, which is using the secular dates. Uh, again, you know, why am I talking about this? Well, because, you know, Christmas is coming and, uh-oh, I just said Christmas. Okay, what else? Uh, the new year is coming. Oh, I just said the new year. Oh, it, it's the end of December and we're going to start a new year soon. Oh, boy. All those things, are those problematic? I mean, we all say it all the time. Is anything problematic about that, right? Um, you know, so let's take a look. They asked her about Vineer, is there anything really wrong with using the especially if, let's say, you're the yeshiva bookkeeper or any type of bookkeeper. Of course, so he says, um, if we could put the world in a different way, you should use only the Tarek Ivri. And you shouldn't use things that are connected, a calendar that's connected. Obviously, it goes back to Jesus. Now, let's say, of course, you're in a, you have to do the books. And the people who are going to look at the books, of course, are, are accountants, and you have to send them to the... So, of course, you have to have the, the regular secular date. So, Rav Aviner says, if you can, on every piece of paper, you should also put the Hebrew date. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure I'm right, almost... Let's give Eretz Yisrael credit. 
I think almost every official document that comes out from the Israeli government, I think, does have the Tarah Ivri as well. I'm pretty sure. I might be wrong about this. But I, even if it's nothing to do with a Bezdin or a Torah institution, I mean, again, this is, uh, I think that is correct. Now, let's say if you can, Rabbi Nair said, it's better not to say the year, just the, uh, the, the day and the month, because the year is the worst thing to say. In other words, to say 2020 is like it's been 2020 years since Jesus. Okay, so 2020 is worse. Now, if it's possible, he says, don't even write, for example, May 20th. Don't write 520. Because Avinair says that that's indicating the beginning of your year is January. And why is January the beginning of the year? Because it has to do with the birth of Jesus, right? And like January 1st was supposed to be, um, again, that's supposed to be the day of his of his of his circumcision, right? I think so, right? That was the day of him. Uh, that's why it's all the new year starts December twenty fifth, seven days later. That's why you have January first. I'm pretty sure this is all. You can look this up on Wikipedia. I'm pretty sure that's the reason why. Now there, were, of course, were pagan cultures as well that had holidays, but I don't know if they considered this the beginning of the year. There were Saturnalias, the Gemara talks about, and other things. Dr. Kogan, you back me up on this, but I don't know if there was this concept in the pagan world that this was the beginning of the new year. Maybe there was an idea that the, the, the reason why it was considered new was because they had passed the winter um, stolsis, right? And now the days were getting longer again. So I guess that's the idea of why you would consider it, quote unquote, the new year. And I'm not sure if the, in their calendar system, that's what it was called. Anyway, Rav Avinair feels that it's all connected to Jesus. And therefore, if you can, write the write out, even though May or January, you see, it's very strange. Because, of course, January is the name of, of a god, right? Is the name of, a, of, of, of one Roman. of them. One of the Roman gods, Janus, right? But according to Rav Avinair, it's better to write, if you're writing a date, if you're writing a letter to someone, and, and you have to put in the secular date, it's better to write January than one. Which is interesting, because he feels that one is showing, that to me is super significant. But January is just a name, a title, even though, as Richard points out, it is one of the, uh, the Janus, which is the the two-faced Roman god. Um, now, Moshe, you're not going to be happy about this. Chochem um, actually was asked about this question, a famous tshuva in the Abiyah Omer, the third volume. And Chochem said there's no Easter to write the secular date. Uh, in fact, they asked him, maybe I shouldn't put in the year, you said, eh, yeah, you know what? It's a good thing okay, if you can get away without writing the year, but that's really nothing to be concerned about. Um, I was about to mention to you that, that the Psak of Rav Right. So that's the Psak of Chokham Avadia. So um, <laughs> Rav Avinir points out, and again, I didn't look up this Maram Sheik, um, that uh, he was asked about writing the the, the secular months, um, 
And he said, obviously, we work in business with them. What are we supposed to do? We we have to we have to converse with them. Um, however, you should try. Rav Yenir says to do as little as possible. And he says, Rav Cook's son, uh, Rav Tzvi Yehuda, uh, was very upset about Chacham Avadia publishing that shuvah, uh, and he felt that Chacham um, Avadia, as a leader, could have really you know, could have, could have pushed against it. And he, and he felt that was the wrong thing to do. Um, the, uh, one of the svaras, why you don't have to worry so much about writing 2020. Um, one of the svaras that was used was the fact that the date, it really doesn't work out. In other words, the you know, when they try to figure out when Jesus was actually born, it doesn't seem that Jesus was really born uh, th- that year anyway. Uh, it seems like he was he was uh, born according to what people's estimates are before that. Um, another th- svara that people say, and these are some of the things that I think Chacham Avadia says as well, um, that we find. Other Rabbonim, in many, many walks of life, would use in their chuvas, you could see it. You could see that on their chuvas, they would write the Hebrew date and the, the secular date. So, um, and Chacham Avadu said, well, at least put in our date. Now, again, just to read you the words of Rav Kook's son, Chalila Wanu Li. In other words, he was really upset about Christianity and he felt that if any, you don't think about it, but it should not be um, mentioned at all. Especially, yes. I uh, I learned that the the dates that they're using the January first supposed to be his uh, circumcision and right. uh, the twenty fifth supposed to be his birthday. Yeah. It's absolutely not correct. Right, which is which so is that... therefore we could use it. We not, I mean, they think it's uh, uh, related to him, but uh, when we use it, we know it's not related to him. Got anything to do with him? Right, this is something made up. Right, but they, they right, but you can see what Rav Cook's son was upset about because it's still something. They might be wrong in what they are in their assumptions, yet it was their calendar and it was their, uh, you know, their terms. Um, and again, I, I'm impressed by how passionate he is about this. He said that um, uh, he says we should use our months and they come out of the Torah. Um, and Oleinu litragel leprikas ol tarbuta galut meyalt savareinu. We should get used to re- uh, trying to reject that that secular culture that still inflicts itself. Vikonenot atzmuteinu vaatzmiuteinu, and we should ready our independence and our essence by writing our dates. That's again. This is from uh, the the attitude. Of uh, Tzvi Yehuda Cook, so, so that Rav Avinir is channeling. 
I'm with you, Moshe. I don't believe it's such a big deal. Uh, again, part of what we do here is show you different attitudes towards these these subjects. Um, there is a um, a question that he deals with, uh, you know, based on uh, his his assumption. Um, what would you do in terms of? Uh, and again, we talked about documents. What about um, writing in a in a in a, uh, in a invitation? What should you do? Now, I, I do believe there's a difference between invitations that come out in Eretz Yisrael internally and here in the United States. I think if somebody would write a um, would send an invitation in the United States, uh, which has English in it, and would not include the English date, I think they would be considered very strange. Um, however, I have, I, I think I have seen uh, invitations that only have Hebrew that do not have the English date. And again, you can see Avinir is very, very strong about this. He says, don't call it Loazi. It's Notsri. Yeah, and therefore, um, saying that date is similar to the Marm Sheikh says to meet me by that church. Hamten li bitzada vodazora plonis. So, because you're mentioning that, again, obviously things are different. Um, interesting, by the way, Chokam um, predecessor, Rabbi Yitzchok Nisim, seemed to have also been against it. I have to look at, I have to look up what his psak was. Um, and, you know, he was usually more mako than Chacham Avadia. I'd have to look up what Rav Nisim's psak was. Um, now, in terms of January, um, uh, <laughs> Rav Avinir says, write this, Yud Nun Vav Streichel. Because, as you can see, that people know what you mean. You don't have to write out the name. Um, so the uh, and on that you have a you know that that is why uh, some say the number might be better. That's what Rabbi Waldenberg says. Um, so again, that's the question: uh, what what is better, the number or the name of the of the of the month? So. I'm not sure who's the author of Mishmera Shalom, but he seems to say um, that it's better to write the name of the month. The Tzitzel says it's better to write the the um, number of the month. So, as we can say, you can see that this is a, a debate between the modern poskim. Uh, one thing that you that we find a minute to do is people write the word Leminyanon. In other words, or misparon, um, and that might be another etza. In other words, you write uh, twenty twenty lemisparon. Um, is that a good thing? Maybe that's emphasizing it. <laughs> uh, Aviner says he saw in some invitations it actually says lito'utam. <laughs> it doesn't say lemisparon. It says lito'ust <laughs> That's a good way to make friends. Um, 
anyway, obviously the uh, like you say, uh, in terms of um, uh, Rav Chaim Kanievsky's father, they say. Um, and again, you have to know whether this is true or not. The stiper, when he would get an invitation that would have the the secular date, they said that he would take a pin and would scratch it off of the of the invitation. So you see that he had great sensitivity to that in terms of that goes. So that is something that um, shows you that it's not just Rabbi Biner and Tzvi Yehuda Cook. Um, um, okay, let's see. Um, <laughs> here's an interesting question. If you're going to be such a machmir on the secular dates, what about in the Siddur when it, you're supposed to switch to uh, the same Tal Umotor, right? So you're, you're supposed to switch on Mincha of December 4th. So, what are you supposed to do? So, over there, you really can't write anything else, right? Again, you have to write, because I don't think there's a way to figure... In other words, you're not going to be able to tell the people in that sitter what date it is, because it's not because it's not the date in Lashon HaKodesh, right? It's based on the, 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 the... It's based on the solar calendar. And unless you would write December 4th, Maybe I'm wrong. Is it sometimes December 5th? I think it's always December 4th. I think so. But uh, maybe, so there, you know, that that, that says, well, there's nothing else that you can do. Um, Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 